Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss. For about 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX-listed small cap companies, their focus, the future, the highs, the lows, and what's next. And a part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level, their experiences, their mentors, slips and slides, even down to their coffee of choice and life away from the share price and their investment decision-making. And today's guest is David McAuliffe. He's the executive chairman of 4DS Memory ASX code 4DS. David, appreciate you coming in. Thanks a lot. Ah, you've got such a, a remarkable story and you told us something off air that we are going to dig a little deeper as we do on this podcast. But just tell us a bit about 4DS memory for our listeners who know nothing about this space. Okay. So Tim, my background is I'm an ex-lawyer and an ex-pharmacist. So I've mainly been involved in the life sciences businesses. So we've raised, I mean, a significant amount of money for a number of companies. One we founded was Polynovo, which is now a billion dollar company. Oncosil, which treats pancreatic cancer. Actinogen, which is a dementia company. Um, we had a, a, a general walk company of all things that we sold um, to uh, Biota Inc. Um, many years ago. Um, but, you know, in doing that sort of investment, you're looking at treating a subset of the population. So if you're looking at Alzheimer's disease, for example, you might be looking to treat 60, 70 million people. Diabetes, maybe 300 million people. So with this opportunity, this is a new form of memory that will be going into your devices. So a tablet, your computer, your phone, whatever it might be, data centers, and that's everybody on the planet. So 75% of people in the world have a device. So that's for me was the interesting, you know, target for me. Also, it's not a binary outcome. So in life sciences, if you're treating a, a, an Alzheimer's patient, you're in a clinical trial for many years and you can't touch that molecule once it's gone into a human being. Here, this is an engineering exercise and it's a, it's a, a, a material science exercise. So every single week you're getting engineering outcomes, which help you make decisions about what you do next. So it's not, a, it's never been a binary outcome for us. It's taken a lot longer than we thought. Um, we started this, I got involved in 2013, and one of the reasons I got involved is because the chairman's a very, very successful um, venture capitalist with Crosspoint Ventures, which is probably the most famous venture capital firm in California. So James has had um, many, many exits. The, the, his most recent one was, you know, a fair few years ago, was um, Bill Me Later, which he sold to PayPal for a billion dollars. So Jim really goes after things which are really difficult. And we thought that this will be a difficult journey, but sort of 12 years on, we're getting to the really important part of the technology. It's moved pretty quick in that band, but it sounds like, and I've just noticed in recent times in the last month or so, there's been a, a and we don't always just sort of dig deep in regards to share price, but the, the share price has received a, as a wonderful boost for, for investors. Yeah, so, so what we what we'll probably need to explain what we actually do. So in your device, um, you have, a couple of, there's lots of stuff in your device, but the main two things are a technology called DRAM and you have flash. So DRAM's like your operating system. So if you're tapping me a text message, you're operating DRAM. So that memory cell, well, that cell will operate at 30 nanoseconds in terms of its operation. It can't remember anything though. So it has to refresh itself every sixth of a second. And that cell can turn on and off about a trillion times. So it's an incredible technology, but it's pretty expensive. So you don't get many gigabytes of it in our devices. Once you've sent me the message or you've, you, you've um, finished Word document, saved it, it gets saved in a thing called Flash. So Flashes can cycle, the cells can turn on and off about 10,000 times. Um, it's relatively slow in its, in its retrieval, but it remembers stuff for about 10 years. 
So what the industry has always been looking for is something which is a combination of both. So they want some DRAM characteristics, but the ability to remember something. So on the 23rd of August, uh, we announced that we, we're showing we've got combinations of both. So we're able to show that we're faster than DRAM. We're at 27 nanoseconds. Our cells cycle for um, 2 billion times and we can retain some information. So it's called persistent memory. But more recently, we've improved on that and we've shown that we're down to 9.5 nanoseconds. We're in excess of 3 billion um, times our cells can turn on and off without failure. And we still have persistent memory. So we do remember it for a certain period of time. So that is, you know, that's really, really unique. And no one's really done that before. Although Micron and Intel did produce a, a, a technology called um, 3X point. And this is supposed to address what we're trying to address, but it hasn't been a very successful. Um, it still sells a little bit, but, you know, it's not, it hasn't, it hasn't, you know, changed the industry. As so who are you doing this for? We're doing it for, um, that will obviously ourselves as the owners of the 34 patents, um, but we're doing it for, you know, 8,000 shareholders who have been around for a long time. Um, we're doing it to potentially end up in our devices. Um, so we work with a company called iMac, who is in, in, um, in, in Brussels, which I'm going to visit them in the next couple of weeks. Um, they're a not-for-profit organisation who really take on really unique technologies and try and change the world. They're not just in semiconductor. They're in a whole range of other things, agricultural and industrials and all sorts of things. But, you know, that, a lot of the main uh, household names are at iMac because if you think about it, these devices that are making chips don't have time to do development work. They're too mm, busy yeah. trying to keep up with the demand for chips. So iMac have the same devices that these guys have at Samsung, Intel, whoever it might be. So we're on, a, on the same device that all the big guys are on. So what we're showing to them, if we can do it on iMac's device and get these results, then you can do it on your device. And we're not trying to say we're going to become a chip manufacturer. It's a little bit like in life sciences. If you, if you have a phase two study in Alzheimer's patients, when you do 100 patients, and you can show their cognitive behaviour improves, then someone like Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline will come along, they'll buy you, they'll spend, you know, 150 million bucks in 50 centres around the world and do 2,000 patients to prove to the FDA it's all good to go. The same concept here. We're just trying to prove there's a proof concept on a device that you own that you can get the type of data we're starting to produce. So Who buys it off you? There would be a number of suitors who could buy it off us. Um, yeah, multiple, multiple. But we're not in the business of licensing. We're not going to go and license it to six different companies. Um, we think that the, our strategy is to be acquired because the licensing models around the world don't, aren't really successful. There's not a lot of great examples of successful licensing companies. So we're in the business of trying to prove it up so that someone comes and buys it and they say, well, I'll spend the $200 million I'll put 50 engineers on this and I'll do it for the next two years to get it into the product and into the device. David McAuliffe is our guest. He's the executive chairman of 4DS Memory and it is, of course, the ASX code 4DS. Um, in a moment, we'll talk about the company and where is it going and, and in regards to the short, the long and, um, and the midterm and also the pitch for possible investors and those listening to the podcast. So I want to get to know a bit about you. You talked about your 
your legal background and you're a, a pharmacist. A pharmacist in the true sense that you had your own pharmacy or worked for? Tell us a bit about that. Uh, no, I worked for a couple of guys called um, Dennis Cornell and John Lequist. So I worked for them out in East Vic Park for a couple of years um, and then decided to um, travel around the world and then bumped into a, a chap in um, in London at a dinner party who said that uh, the biotech industry was, was something that was going to become quite big. It was... Did you have any any thoughts of entering into it at that stage? No, no, I hadn't. So it was... It, it was this was back in the in the eighties, and so biotech wasn't really around. Yeah. So, but it quite quickly became a really significant industry. So he said to me, "You know, you're a pharmacist; you need another degree." So I went and did a law degree at Bond University, and then I came back and worked for Phillips Fox here in Perth, and then thought, "Why am I a lawyer?" And then remembered, "Oh, that guy said he'd give me a job." So I found out his number, rang him up. He said, "I'll be back in Perth in six months," and I said, oh, "Well, I can't be another lawyer. I can't be a lawyer for another day." So I'm going to fly up and flying up next week to see you in your office on Wednesday. I'll be there Wednesday morning. So I flew up from, I left on Saturday, flew up to London, went and saw him on Wednesday. And I'm pretty sure probably that's why I got the job because I got off my button, flew up there. So I worked for him for six or seven years in London. We raised like a couple hundred million pounds, got the company to a billion dollars at one stage. And like with all these things, it, you know, some of them don't work and that actually didn't work. But the stock went from sort of 20 cents to eight bucks. Everyone did pretty well out of it. So um, so that's how I got involved in biotech. When I came back to Perth, um, we, you know, I started looking at, you know, what am I going to do? Because Perth's pretty small in terms of technology that floats around here. Although some really good companies have come out of Perth, some seriously, seriously good technology come out of Perth. Um, but decided that the UK, you know, there's lots of technology up there that's difficult to get funded because in the UK, if you're looking for, you know, a million pounds, you're not going to get that from a bench capitalist. You're going to get that from family and friends. So I thought we could use the ASX to plug that gap. So that's why we started, you know, investing in lots of UK companies and listing them here on the Australian Stock Exchange. So the first one was Civita back in 2000, which went on to be, you know, a reasonably big company, got up to about $250 million. That's now been, it's been through its, you know, different stages, but that's now called Oncosilk. That's now a registered product for uh, brachiotherapy for pancreatic cancer. Yep. Uh, then I moved to Melbourne and looked after the company Bora Molecular, which was a CR CSRO spin-out, um, which was poorly constructed. So then we went back to CSIRO and said, look, this, is, this hasn't been a great success. So I'd like to walk the halls of CSIRO and pick another technology out. So we walked around, well, I walked around and picked out this you know, biodegradable polyurethane polymer. Um, which we uh, did a deal with Sara, raised $20 million. That's now Polynovo, so it's being used for burn victims. Um, that sell, sells, I think the monthly sales are about $5 million. Um, and so that's now, you know, a, a billion, over a billion-dollar company. Um, and then we did another series of actinogen for dementia, came out of the University of Edinburgh, bought a company at, at, out of the University of Warwick. Um, and uh, more recently... You know, I was approached to get involved with, well, not more recently, 10 years ago, I was approached to get involved with 40S Memory because they went from over 50 shareholders and once you got over 50 shareholders, you're public unlisted. Yep. So it means you have to have two directors. So some, there was some crossover of shareholders in 40S and another company I had. So I flew to California, as I mentioned before, sat down with James Dorian for a couple of days and discussed the opportunity and how large it was, even though they had no data at that stage, there was nothing. So we thought that if they can kick the can down the road, we're going to end up with something of significance. Um, so that 
you know, it's taken a bit longer than we thought. We've raised sort of 40 million bucks on the way now. Um, but, you know, we are a pointy in now where we're getting the results that we were always hoping mm -hmm. to see. So, you know, I raised five and a half million bucks at, you know, 3.6 something cents in March, I think it was, just to secure the finances of the company in case we got the result we were hoping for or in case we didn't get the result we were hoping for. So then you'd, you know, you'd transport yourself into something else. Fortunately for us, the results were way better than we expected. We made certain changes to the memory cell architecture, which worked, um, and that really kicked the share price along when we've announced something on the 23rd and then we announced recently the improvements that we've done. So that means that the whole bunch of options have been exercised now. So about six million bucks in option money has come into the company. So we're now in this really unique position where we've got the best results we've ever had and better than we expected. Um, and we're fully funded for, you know, a number of years now. There's no need for us to go and do a placement or a share purchase plan. So we've got, you know, more, the best results we've ever had and we've got more money in the bank we've ever had. So it's just a you're incredibly intelligent and incredibly busy man. Uh, we're speaking with David McCall of 40S Memory. Here's the company ASX code 40S. But I do want to take you back because as much as you sound like you've made a lot of smart decisions over the time, little birdie told me that maybe all this hard work, all this heavy lifting, all this incredible intelligence, uh, yourself and your wife Margie, and you get around and you do all of this sort of stuff, and I, and I love the passion, but you could be living the life of riding very easy street if you'd made a smarter decision as a, as a late teen. Is that true? How do you mean? Did you, when you started working in the pharmacy as a, as, as a, as a youngster, um, were you asked to make a sacrifice and you chose not to? No. I mean, I like hard work. I like innovation. Um, you know, I like the capital market. All right. Were you offered the chance to give your wage for a year to fund the making of a movie? What? And can you confirm that part of it first? Yes. Okay. Now, I don't know how much you were asked to give, but we what was your... paid much back then. Okay. Well, you just give us a round. Give us a ballpark back then. Well, back then I was probably on about... Um, it's only, you know, you're only... You're only... You're still a student, um, but you had to do 500 hours of work. How much money... Well, was probably on about 20 grand. You are asked to give in that... In 1987. Perfect. Perfect. My first paycheck as a cadet journalist at West Australian was uh, $87.80. Right. I used to open it, the pay office on a Thursday, open up the little envelope. You had to count it out in front of them. Thank you very much. And off you went. Yep. So we're about the same, we're, we're about the same actually. And in 1983 that was. So let me tell so you, uh, so let's go 25 grand. Okay. Chips in to an Australian movie and you're being a well drilled young man at 19, you told these blokes, your pharmacy bosses, nah, no, you can do. Can you movies tell us, movies don't make money is the famous quote. Can you share with the listener to the ASX market, Goss, what that movie went on to be? Um, well, the, the pharmacist I worked for was Dennis Cornell and um, <laughs> he'll be listening to this for sure. And uh, it was his brother Strop and uh, Paul Hogan had written the, written the movie and Dennis said to me, I'll advance you a full year salary to put into the movie and also go and see your father. You get a hundred grand off him. And, uh, I said, I'm not doing either of those things because movies don't make money. And it was Crocodile Dundee. The <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Massive mistake. Massive mistake. Massive mistake as a 19 year old. 
But you wouldn't have done all this if you had no, actually, you know, so Joe Buck, I'm still extremely good friends with Dennis and, and John, and uh, I see Dennis quite a bit. So Dennis actually said to me, um, this is not, this, being a pharmacist is not, you're not cut out to be a pharmacist, you need to go and do something else. So he sort of encouraged me to go and travelling and... Great career. Yeah. So it's terrific, terrific advice back then. And so then, you know, fell into, fell into biotech and, you know, spent, as I said, six or seven years up in London. And came back and just have been just roller coasting around different types of companies for, you know, since I've been back 23 years ago. So when I don't put a quaddy on at the Ascot races and I could have collected 150 bucks and I don't get it and I rue the day, when you see anything to do with Crocodile Dundee or, now that's a knife and that type of stuff. Well, it's only when you see Dennis because he reminds you. It's one of the great. It's it's one of the great stories because you know if you look back at Polynovo too and sort of you know I did okay out of Polynovo, but that's you know if I'd held my shares and that'll you know it would have paid yeah yeah but could have would have shouldn't so you know and you look at you look at the market cap of forty S it's you know two hundred and eighty million bucks or whatever it might be you know that that could that you know in my personal opinion that is completely undervalued and it sounds crazy because two hundred and eighty million dollars is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are other technologies out there on the ASX, which is sort of in the similar position to us, but they are apples and oranges. Um, then they've been capped at a bit, you know, over a billion. So, you know, there's no reason why 40S can't be a billion dollar company. Yeah, well, but it's, you know, what we're targeting hasn't been done. Yep. And it's of interest to, interest to the industry and it's something that's been talked about for a long time. So it's, it's this gap between DRAM and it's gap between Flash. So nothing's going to replace DRAM. And Flash doesn't need replacing. Flash, they're both really old technologies, right? So DRAM does 100 billion a year. Flash does 50 or 60 billion dollar a year. But there hasn't been a significant change to the architecture of, of storage mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And so this is what the industry something so small. Well, the size of memory cells are, are 3,000 times the width of a human hair. So there's a little silver machine over in the corner of the lab that makes this stuff. I don't know how you do it. And then the way we operate our memory cell is you have different metallic layers throughout the cell and we trap six oxy- oxygen molecules. And then the resist, the charge goes onto that cell, those oxygen molecules move up a layer. That then creates the resistance, which creates the memory. Now, how does anyone... You've lost me. That? You lost me after the Crocodile Dundee. That's where you've lost it's me. absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> it's really rocket science you right? But the rocket science for us has been taken out. So, you know, we now understand, you know, how to operate that cell really well to get the results. Now, to be faster than DRAM is incredible. I mean, that's one of the fastest technologies around. We're now three times faster than them. Our memory cells last in excess of three billion times in terms of turning on and off without failure. And we've got some persistent memory. So we don't need to save the memory for 10 years like Flash does. We just need to save it for a certain period of time. And this is where we get advice from iMac about what the characteristics you need to do to be a real attraction to a very large player. So this is one of the reasons I'm going over to iMac um, in the second week of, uh, of October. And we'll sit down with them and, um, and uh, actually have a discussion about what we, sh- <laughs> what we should be doing um, uh, in the next stages of development. So that's a really important discussion. It's the first time I've actually been invited as well. So, um, you know, I'm sitting down with the COO. Uh, 
your phone's smaller than mine. Mine, mine was a challenge. Yeah, my, mine was a challenge and hand me down when they gave me the showed me the door. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm not big on phones. Hey, can can I um, ask a couple of things now about you? What's the first thing you do on a working day? You, you, you've you've had a bit of breakfast. You're ready to go. What's the first thing when you go into workspace? What's the first thing you do? Check my emails. That's such oh, a common chip. That's exactly the, that's funny. <laughs> Probably the other way around. Look at the share price. Look at the volume. That's Triple really incredible liquidity in the stock. Right. If you're an investor. 230 mil, 230. Well, some days when it would cap to 280 million, but some days you'll get 130 million sh shares trade. So today, I don't know how many trade, probably 10 or 11, 12 million. So it's a, it's a really good stock for investors because you're not going to get prey potted. And man, so it means if you actually invest in the company, you have an opportunity to exit whenever you like because mm. the liquidity is so high. Mm. And that's a really good thing to have. So for us too, the liquidity is great. The market cap's undervalued. We've got fully funded for two years and we've got the best results we've ever had. So the company is in, 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 in an awesome position. Well, there's, there's the pitch, which was normally what we do at the end of the show, but you've, uh, you've nailed it there. What's your coffee of choice? Uh, almond milk. Almond. Yeah. Three shots. What? Yeah, three shots. I knew there'd be one. That's more. Wow. How many a day? Hit it early. Yeah. Get going. Yeah. What about inspirations and, and mentors? Do you have anyone that you lean on to, you know, to, obviously you you talked about, you know, the, the gentleman who, who got you started, Dennis Cornell and the like, but in regard to that type of world, but do you have any others that you lean on for in times of need to get some motivation or? Yeah, I do. I, I spent, uh, went up to California for a couple of weeks and um, spent, you know, with Jim Dorian. So Jim's, Jim's 70 now, but um, he's, he's still very, very heavily involved in the company. He owns about 50 million shares. Um, and he really, he really understands how to move the chess pieces around. So we spent a lot of time together up there um, talking about what we think the future of the company looks like, what we think the value of the company looks like. And so he's actively involved now with the, um, with the staff, but he's not back as a director, but he's actively involved in discussions with the staff in California about what we should be doing. Um, and you know, he's a, yeah, he's a really good If you were to walk into your office, uh, or into a blank room and I was to hand you a, a marking pen, what would you, your work mono be? What would you write up on the wall? Keep going. It sounds like you do, you know, it sounds like you don't stop. No, I think, because I think the, th the things we've invested in are really interesting. The things we've invested in are really important. Um, you know, if we can assist Alzheimer's patients, that would be fantastic. And that's going into a phase two clinical trial at the moment. I'm not involved with it anymore, but yeah. you know, we've, 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 you know, we've started walking through the corridors of Syrah and picked out Polynova and that's now helping thousands of people burn victims. It's, it's really quite rewarding. Even though I didn't get the financial success I should have got out of it, mm. it still thinks, well, not many people have probably done that. We've invested in a, a brachytherapy, um, that, which is, you know, a radiotherapy you inject into um, tumours and it's been helping pancreatic patients around the world. So, you know, we've done things which are uh, significant and important and help people. So, this, this, you know, going forward, hopefully, you know, we're able to get the 40S technology to be completely functional and that will that'll change the way things are done. I mean, it could be involved in AI and it, it, that'll change lives. So, you know, it's... And it's, it, it's, you know, it's good to make, you make people money along the way and hopefully make a bit yourself, but I'm really interested in innovation. Um, and, uh, that's what motivates me. Um, 
away from all of this, do you have take time to travel, read, sport? Any interests away from? Uh, I'm not. I'm not a reader. I'm actually the president of the Dyslexia Foundation here at WA. Another mentor of mine is a guy called Jared O'Brien. Um, he's got a property in York, so I rent the house off him in York. So I go down to go down to the Love York. Go down to there for you know a day a week or something like that. Is that just to get away? Just get away. away. My parents used to own a farm in Mundlana, so oh, yeah. many years ago. Yep. Mum used to run that, so I yep. used to go and work on that farm from when I was about 10 to 20. I'm trying to get a listing in my second life to a place in Wickerman. Yeah. I, mean, my wife, I love the country. My wife wants to buy the Wickerman harp, which right. means it's got scope. Right. Yeah, so I've made... If you know anyone. <laughs> so I've made some friends down... The local pub I go to down... That way, Spencerbrook Tavern, so it's a good plug for them. It's really good food if anyone know it. got in there for lunch. Yep. Fantastic food. It's the best pub food I've had. So I'd go down there on a Friday night, have a few beers with some friends I've made down there and just go for a walk around the farm and drive back. Love it. Yeah. And and um, away from, you know, do you have any interest in sport or anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, um, yeah, I do. I'm very interested in uh, football. Angus Brasher was actually my godson. So I've got a good interest in uh, footy. Uh, not so much cricket anymore after the that sandpaper gate, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, got a big interest in football. And my son plays football, and my daughter plays hockey. So yeah, so mainly footy. Absolutely, passion. Um, uh, tell us a bit about the the short and the mid and the long. And it seems as like it's it's incredible. You know, we're we're talking forty years memory here. We're talking about it's so much happening. There's no lay time. There's the the people who are working in the labs and stuff and putting it all together. Uh, and you talk so knowledgeable of it, but I'd love to know what the short term, the mid and the long term is for the company. Well, I think the short term's to be determined, and this is the, the reason for the trip to, to IMAC to sit down with them and work out with them exactly what they think the plan is. The interesting thing about IMAC, as I said before, is that, you know, all the big companies are there working with them because they're all got, they're all, you know, innovation doesn't stop, right? So when you get a new phone, whatever's new in that just didn't get invented a week ago. That's been years in the planning. We all think that. We all think that we, we buy the most modern phone and then no, and then years. and then in about six months' time they're gonna say, Well, you get the next one. Well, they're now. working on they're working on that now and they have been for years. It's not too dissimilar. Well, back to system, mate, I've still got a three G yeah. I've got a yeah, three, sure. whatever they call so it. Innovation <laughs> takes time. And so, you know, we've you know, as I said, we've been doing this for ten years, but the significance of what we're doing is really important. So you know, we have to have a short-term plan, which is something we need to discuss with IMAC. Um, and then we'll, from that, you then look forward to your medium-term plan and your, your long-term plan. The long-term plan ultimately is to have the company quiet. Um, the medium-term to be determined because that's based on the short-term. So we don't quite know yet, but we know that, you know, we'll have a discussion with IMAC and we, you know, we'll go forward from there. But certainly, the, you know, the guys are continuing to test so the testing of the, the wafers that we currently have where we've got these best results off that the company's ever had, they continue to test and test and test and test. It does take a long time because there are so many data points that need to be looked at. If you're looking at endurance, you'd be looking at um, speed or you're looking at you know persistent memory, whatever it might be. So it does take time, but they don't stop. They're constantly testing, testing, testing. So it might be that, you know, in another six weeks or something, we've got more data. I don't know. So it's just a, it's just a continuum. Mm. Um, but at some point, someone will go, you know, I hope I've seen enough. So if I take this and I spend a hundred million bucks on it and put 15 engineers on this, I can make this into a device that can be put into our devices. 
So that's ultimately where we want to get to now. Is that a $280 million company if that's the case? No, it's not. So this is the opportunity for shareholders um, or, or incoming shareholders to yes. look at really what we've got and do you think there's more value in the stock? And I think, you know, there is. The market's pretty crap at the moment, so that's not helping, but that's affecting everybody and you can't, you can't control the market. So I generally just worry about things I can control and what I can control is the finances of the company and the personnel that work for it. And so that's, you know, it's, how many people work for the company? Uh, well, there's, uh, there's a couple of consultants that work here who do, you know, the bookkeeping and the finances and the company secretarial. There's another director called here, uh, Howard Digby, who works with me. Uh, and then to be five people in, in California. So it's not a big team. It's not a big team. Yeah. Not a big team. So, so you talk about prospective investors or shareholders who are out there who are listening to this podcast now. I mean... Uh, clearly it's, it's working, clearly you're confident, clearly you're incredibly successful with a lot of things that you have done apart from movie selections. But <laughs> that aside, why should they jump on board if they can? I just think because this is a global opportunity. Um, and, you know, as I said before, we're not looking at a subset of the population. This is, this is for everybody. And there hasn't been any real significant innovation in this space for a long time. So the opportunity is, you know, is enormous and change always comes. Innovation always comes. It's just time and money. And hopefully for us, it's just time and money. And this innovation will come. Now, if it comes, it changes the way people do stuff. There's no question because you're sitting in a space which sits between DRAM and Flash and you're not going to actually, you know, change those two technologies. You're just going to sit as part of the architecture of what already exists. Yep. So we would be a complement to DRAM. No, no one's replacing DRAM. So we're just a complement to DRAM. We just sit alongside it and we remember stuff that they can't. So when the power's off, they don't remember anything. When the power's off for us, we remember it. So, you know, so it's a very complementary um, technology for, for the architecture of the, what we do every day. Do you get tired talking about it? You're incredible. Your, your, your knowledge and the way in which you explain things is so passionate. And I found that uh, watching coming into this podcast, but also having you sit here for the last half hour, um, your passion is unsurpassed. You, you must love it. Um, well, it can be frustrating and, you know, you get pretty tired and Margie would understand, my wife would understand that. But, um, you know, I think if, if, you, if you're doing something which you think is, you know, innovative, and you have the support of your shareholders and you have the support of the board and you've got the support of all the staff. It's, it's, it's really important because it could change the way stuff's done. And, you know, it doesn't come without its risks. Everyone understands that, um, you know, innovation carries significant risk. This is no different to anything else, but this one, you know, unlike a, you know, a life science company, which is a binary outcome. Once that molecule is put into a clinical trial, you can't touch an atom on it. So you have to wait for two years. General trials are a couple of years, right? So you have to wait for the outcome. And the outcome is either it worked or it didn't. Here, this is why this is so interesting because every week you're getting data and it's an engineering exercise. It's completely different to biologicals. And so, you know, you don't, you don't carry that binary risk. So every time our train sort of wobbles off the track a bit, the engineers can work out, well, we're just going to move it this way a little bit and we'll be back on track. And you know, we've got a partner in Western Digital um, who's been our partner for 10 years or however long it is, 10 years I think it is. 
Um, and you know, they, they, in the first few years, they, they assisted us with giving us parameters. If you want to play in this space, this is what you need to be able to do. And in particular, you needed to be really fast. And so that's what we've been able to do over the last sort of six or seven years. It, it takes time because it's, you know, we are working with, you know, structures, which are, you know, three thousand times thinner than a human hair. Mm, it's, mm. It's, it's rocket science sort of stuff, but these people are really intelligent and they've spent a lot of time in the industry and they know where they need to fit it in the architecture. And that's what we're trying to do at the moment. I've, I've enjoyed our chat. We've uh, been chatting with David McCauliffe, Executive Chairman of 4DS Memory, the ASX code is 4DS. Thanks for coming in. That is another episode of ASX Market Goss. We love your feedback. Make a comment, like us, share us, tell your colleagues, counterparts of community, spread the word. And whatever platform you're listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, RSS.com, it is all about your feedback. So keep an ear and an eye out for our next episode. Until then, we'll keep digging to find out more guests to chat with on their ASX journey. David McAuliffe, 40s Memory, thanks for coming in once again. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.